This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom Aleichem, good evening in these trying times. We just got finished with one thing, now we're involved in another thing. Um, everyone's being very politically correct, so we can't really talk about it that much, but um, I will talk about it a little bit. Um, it's not, it's unbelievable that that we were locked down in our houses because of the virus. Um, I do want to say something before before we go into this. First of all, let me just get my messages up. Um, uh, daily Giving. Oh, my special doctor. Dailygiving.org. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't hop. I don't understand. I don't understand everyone who's listening. Dailygiving.org. You know how to spell daily, right? D-A-I-L-Y-G-I-V-I-N-G. Not dot .com. A lot of people go to dot .com. It's dailygiving.org. Now, they came up with an amazing idea. We, we don't, we're not in shul. Well, some of them are, but some of them are not. And, um, um, you know, some people not, don't want to touch money because of the, the virus. I don't know too many people like that, but there's some like that. There's some stores right now that don't take cash. They only take credit cards because money has, has the virus. A lot of people, they're not worried about that virus. They'll go, I'll wash the money. Um, different meaning for washing the money. But um, it's, it's, it's an amazing idea. Um, who's getting it today? Today, I think it's Azimitzion. Azimitzion is getting it today. Um, so you, you, you give a dollar. I'm going to tell you why it's, it should be taking off. There should be... There's about 3,000 people right now that are on this. There are hundreds of thousands of Jews and who can't give a dollar a day, right? So when they first came up with the idea, I'm like, wow, you're going to raise so much money for stuff. It's going to be amazing. And I speak and there's like 20 people the next day, um, which are very hurt and insulted. I thought there'd be 20,000 people. But um, so what's the problem? Why isn't everyone on you know, this dailygiving.org? And, and, and why isn't everyone after my shit tonight going online saying... I want to give you a dollar a day. It's not going to change even a single girl. It's not going to change even getting $20 allowance. You have to give $2 to tzedakah, right? So it's not, it's not going to change anybody's life. So I try to figure out how come people are not doing it. So there, there are two options. One option is to pay for the year up front because if, if they take a dollar a day from you, they do processing fee on every dollar every day. It comes out, they don't, they don't have any money in the end. So what they do is, you can take the whole year, like I took it with my wife, right? So it was $365, plus I don't know, there's a certain whatever, whatever it came out to. And that's a lot of money for some people. So when you call in and they're like, okay, that'll be $365, you're paying for the year up front. You're like, I don't have that on my credit card. So, so yeah, everyone's thinking, I'll give you a dollar a day. I can't give you $365. So what they did is they made it $30. Give us $30, and next month we'll hit you for another $30. We're not, we're not going to hit you for $365. We're going to hit $30. $30 for a month, it's not going to change your life. So, um, and Sadaka's, I mean, I can tell you, I'm, in the, I'm involved here. We cannot raise any money normally. People, you call them up, and they're in financial you know, pr- trouble. Even if they're not in financial trouble, but they think they're going to be in financial trouble, so they have, they're saving their money. And I don't blame, I'm not blaming anyone. 
I mean, even though Hatzala did amazing and some other organizations are doing well, because people, because Klaisol Bnei Chassadim would just, would just, would just like that. Um, but here, you, you, you think you're giving a little money, you're not giving a little money, because you have 3,000 people, right now they have 3,000 people, so it's $3,000 a day times 365 days, it's a million dollars. So they're raising a million dollars right now, they hit a million dollars at a dollar a day. So if we really gave, they could be giving out $10 million with a dollar a day. There's no reason not to do it. The reason most people don't do it is that, yesterday I walked in, I called, and they said they want $365. I don't have $365. Don't go that, don't go that route. Go to $30 a month. So they only have one charge a month, and they only have to pay the credit card that one charge a month. And it's, it's, ama- it's an amazing way to help, I think they have 46 seductors, 41 seductors. That's crazy. You can't give tzedakah to 41 tzedakahs. Most of most people, most people don't don't um, send out you know all those envelopes that come to your house. You throw them in the garbage. So so I really I really would like him to call me tomorrow, Jonathan, and tell me right, Wallstein was amazing. They all went to the thirty dollar, and we went from three thousand to four a thousand people join. That's three hundred sixty five thousand dollars a year. So if we had 20,000 people a day, it would be over $6 million. It would be $7 million. To give out $7 million to tzedakah, and you're only giving a dollar a day. So that is very, very important. Something else before I go into the little bit, I'm not going into politics, I don't do that, I'm not going there, but a little bit about what does Hashem want? Like... We finally could go out, or even even in the pandemic, even in the pandemic, you could go out after eight o'clock at night if you need food. You need food. You need to go to a store. You need food. It's it's, it's essential. You need to go to the pharmacy now. Hashem locked us even more down. Eight o'clock. You can't go out. Well, Hashem with Hashem always has Rachmanis and. Um, and some of our people in politics um, have done amazing that they're allowing, even during the, uh, when you're not allowed to go out, that, you can, that women could go to the mikvah and men could go to, to shul, because that's essential. Um, what's his name? Chaim. Chaim Deitch. Chaim, you should be gebenched. Everyone should go out and vote. He's running for, he's running for Congress. He could be a congressman. And he can get up there and, and, and be the first from guy. That, you know, he can get up there and stand up for us, whatever. You never know what Hashem wants, I don't know. But Chaim Daesh, I know him for the longest time, and he's a tzaddik. And um, it was a very big problem. People can't go to the Dafyami, people can't go to shul after 8 o'clock. And more important, Shkia is 8.30, and women can't go to the mikvah. So he got them to say that if you're going to learn, and if you're going to, a woman has to go to the mikvah, that, that you don't have to be locked in your house. But what's going on over here? Can't go out after eight o'clock at night. It's worse than the other thing. You can't go to the pharmacy. You can't go to get food. You can't go shopping. So there's something going on in America. Um, I have gotten some phone calls and emails because I spoke and I'm not. I'm not. Tori, anytime, do me a favor. Don't bring it up. Don't put it on meaningful, or whatever. Don't put it on. You're not meaningful. Minute to what's it called? 
the daily dose and, and, and that I spoke about seven, eight years ago. And I told everyone that if certain things happen in America, the America is going to fall apart. Because in God we trust. As long as God is in America, the America will be okay. And it was, it's still on the money, which is a huge thing. That America wrote God's name on money that you should know that it comes from God. Huge, huge, huge. And I feel, I believe very much that's why we have such a tzlacha, panasa. America is the richest country in the world. Because it says on everything, they try to, the atheists try to get it off. They're still working on it to get in God we trust off the money. When that happens, then don't even, don't even wait five minutes. Get out of here. But the atheism and the, all the other liberalism in, in America has gone to a certain point. And about seven years ago, I read, whoever remembers, I read something from the Medrash Rabbah on Pasha's Noach and um, said, we all need to leave when this happens. And I'm beginning now, people who remember that shit, like, right, well, how come you didn't leave? You're still here. And there's no question to everyone who's listening that it's time for us to go to Eretz Yisrael. If you didn't think it was time till now, there's nothing to talk about. This is not happening in Eretz Yisrael. It's not. Not rioting. Not, you know, if they riot, that Israelis do what they got to do. Um, very different. The anti-Semitism, the liberalism, uh, the the atheism um, is not on this level at all. And and I said this, and it came down, and I didn't. And they're like, Rabbi Wallstein, you didn't move. And Rav Chaim Kainetsky's been saying this for the last two years. And Abraham Tversky said to move, and he moved, and. Um, it says that in the times of Mashiach, there's going to be many warnings to get up and move. So I was, I, 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 I said, okay, uh, let's go. But, but, uh, but, but at the same point, I'm like everyone else, and I'm like, my family is here, my grandchildren are here. They don't speak Hebrew. To take them to Israel, they're not going to know what's flying. My business is here. Uh, my friends are here. My organization, the ranch in the Ornava and Aterasnava is here. Um, you expect me just to pick up and go? And the answer is yes. Um, this is what happened in the Holocaust when Kristallnacht, when they had these riots and they burnt down shuls. And I've spoken to many Holocaust survivors and they said, I said, why didn't you run? Why didn't you leave? They burnt down the shuls. And they said, the government is going to pass. He's either fascist, he's a Meshuggah, Hitler, he's a Meshuggah. They're going to throw him out of government. The politics are going to change. And my, 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 my factory is here, and my family is here, and my panosa is here. And they didn't leave. Um, so they're saying, they said the same thing I'm saying. So I know it's very hard, and you're going to say, Red Walston, are you going? Moshe wants to know. Rabbi! Rabbi, you're giving Musa, are you going? Not right now, but do I know I should be going? 100%. I don't have what it takes, but I'm going to work on myself. I don't, 100%. Because this is right now, and America had the worst virus. New York, liberal New York and liberal LA had the worst virus. Liberal New York and liberal LA are having the worst vandalism and riots, and this is where we live. 
Hello, everybody. And you're all saying, okay, so if you move, we'll move. That's not fair, buddy. I got that today. Rabbi, lead us to the promised land. I have to, I, yeah, 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 yeah. All of us, we all need to get out of here. It's not for us anymore, everybody. It's just not for us. It's just, we don't belong here. It's not for us physically. It's not for us mentally. It's not for us emotionally. Hashem took away a lot of the money that was keeping us here. Um, the education that was keeping us here. You want to zoom? You're not sure. So zoom. Zoom to your Bayam in America. Zoom. You want to zoom? You can zoom. You don't have to be. You, have to, you can speak the language. You can, and you can speak Zoom English. All you want. Hi, Hashem, help us. I should, I should have the kayak to lead you. But it's uh, it's it's written in all the svarim. This is what's going to happen. And whoever's stuck in Gullus when Mashiach comes. Some of us are not going to even make it to Eretz Yisrael, and it's, it's not, it's the best place, it says very clearly, the best place in Eretz Yisrael, and the best place in Eretz Yisrael is, is in the west part of Yerushalayim. Not the east where the, where the Arabs are, but in the west part of Yerushalayim. America is imploding. And a lot of us, including Rabbi Wallerstein, um, believed in Donald Trump, that his son-in-law was a Jew, and he is faithful to God, and he he brings God in a lot. It gets all the liberals very upset. Um, he does bring God in a lot, and God for a country. And we believe that he's going to get reelected, and you can't go there because Hashem is showing you he doesn't. Donald Trump, you know. Let me tell you the story with Esther. So it brings down on Purim that the Mamish went through the same thing as, as we're going through. The Mamish went through the same thing. There's been a lot of anti-Semitism. I think everyone forgot because of the virus and because of this that they went into a shul during a bar mitzvah, you know, on a holy day and shot up a bunch of people, a bunch of Jews, and no protests. No protests. Where was the rest of America? Not one protest. Not whites. Not nobody. Not Jews. Not Goyim. Nobody. They killed a guy in Muncie walking on the street. Nothing. They killed, what's his name, in Crown Heights in a riot. Nothing. Jews' lives matter too. All the human beings' lives matter. Everybody's lives matter. Even in the Torah, animals' lives matter. You can't make an animal suffer. Hashem says, all my creations matter. Everyone who's listening, do you know that it's a halacha and it's one of the 613 mitzvahs? That you're not allowed to cut down a fruit tree? It's an avera. To cut down a fruit tree, not only is it an avera, but it's brought down that someone who cuts out a fruit tree, death will come to him or his family because you're cutting something that's alive down. A fruit tree. Not a human, not a cow, a fruit tree. And if you come to a town and there's a fruit tree and you want to extend the town, learn the Gemara. You want to extend the town, you can't chop down the fruit tree. You have to take it out with the ground 
and we planted. There was a house in Borough Park that had a fruit tree. They could not sell that house because you couldn't extend it. It's this huge apple tree in front. I know exactly where it was. So they had to get someone to guarantee that when they remove the fruit tree, it won't die. So, so every life, everything matters. Everything matters. Every human being matters. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what religion you are. Every human being is a tselem elokim. Okay, tselem elokim is a part of God. Every human being in the world, every animal, right? It's not a tselem elokim, but it's something Hashem created has life. Every fruit tree that gives a fruit, you're not allowed. To, you're not allowed to cut down. So. We all forgot the anti-Semitism on shuls and on graveyards in America before this happened. Crazy anti-Semitism. And this happened in Megillus Esther. In Megillus Esther, there was crazy anti-Semitism. Haman wrote a decree... That he's not going to kill anyone, Haman. I don't know if people know this. He sent a decree that every non-Jew in his town has a right on that day to kill Jews. He didn't, he's not, he didn't, it, it, didn't gather, everyone listen very carefully to this. Achishrosh didn't gather his army and go massacre Jews. No, he didn't have to do that. Hitler knew that too, Lamach Shemai. He knew that the hatred of the Jew and the money that if he, if you kill the Jew and you get his house and his bank account and his, all his goods, right? That, that Hitler didn't have to, he knew that the Polish people are going to give all the Jews up. He knew that whatever country he goes into, they're not going to hide the Jews because the guy who takes, who gives the Jew up gets his house. To this day, all the houses in Poland, my mother-in-law's house and my father, all these people's houses, the guy took and we never got it back. So they were very happy to do the job. Very happy to do the job. So Haman didn't ask Achashverosh, give me an army, we're going to go town to town and massacre the Jews. He knew he didn't have to do that. Haman said, give a right to the non-Jews to pillage and vandalize and kill and steal from the Jews. That's what he said. And the Jews don't have a right to defend themselves. So we're going to get massacred. But we're going to get massacred by the neighbor, not by Haman's army. He had no army. Get massacred by my next door neighbor, by the guy that works for me, by the guy in the store. Now, there wasn't a panic. They weren't panicking. Why? Why didn't they panic? So, Hashem, Mordechai was a Navi, besides being a leader, and he told Klai Yisrael, that I know for a fact, through Ruch HaKodesh, that Hashem signed off on the Jews. So we knew that we were in big trouble. He also said, they also hated Mordechai, because they said to him, what are you making trouble? Rabbi, bow down. You, you don't have a right to put the whole class in Sakana. So, so bow down. Right? And... So why weren't they panicking? Because they all knew that that they all knew that Esther Hamalka was. They knew who she was. Achshav didn't know who she was. Haman didn't know who she was. They knew that in the White House, 
they had someone who was going to protect them. So they were cool. So we know we have anti-Semitism. We know that if the government said you can kill any Jew and take his house, we're all in very big trouble. Um, but we know we have nothing to worry about because the Republicans have the Senate, so they could block off anything the Congress does. And the president is a Republican, and he's good for the Jews because his son-in-law is a Jew, and, and he loves Israel. And, okay, so Hashem, we don't really need you at this point. We got, we got Donald Trump. We got the president. Hashem's like, you, you got you to gotta, you gotta know that the Gemara says that in the end of time, it says, no one will have anyone to go to, Ella, Ani, Bivado, only to me. No rabbis are going to help you. No, no tzaddikim. No politicians. Not your money. Not your jobs. In the end, you're going to have to come to me. So, my translation of what's going on is the Esther in the White House is very shaky at this moment. And I don't know what Hashem's plans are. But Hashem is saying, He can't help you. Only I can help you. So, why did the Jews panic by Esther? Because when they heard that Esther invited Haman to her party, they said, oh, no, our Republican just became a Democrat and went over to the other side and no annexation of Israel and all kinds of other things. And they're like, now we don't have Mordechai, we don't have Hashem, and he signed us off, and now... We lost our connection in the White House. Esther is a traitor. She went to the other side. <clears throat> so what did the Jews do? What are we supposed to do? So what are we supposed to do? Rabbi Austin, what are we supposed to do? And you need to know that after the whole story, and, and when they went back to Eretz a lot of the, most of the Jews did not go back. They were punished for that. They did not go back because... Okay, now Mordechai was big in the... They knew who Esther was. Mordechai was very big in the government. They had a great king, Koresh, who was going to... He was going to build the base on Megdash. So most of the Jews stayed in their houses and didn't go back to Eretz Yisrael. And the king didn't even understand. If you read the whole thing, he didn't even understand. Like, why aren't the Jews going? So they panicked when they realized... And so what did they, what did they do? Okay, so we have nobody. We have no one in the White House. So Walter, what should we do? I don't know what's going on with Trump right now. It, it, the, the world is, America is, 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 is crashing. Parnassus is crashing. Um, we're in a curfew. Holy cow. You think you're in Gaza. You're in a curfew at 8 o'clock at night. Not at 12 o'clock at night. At 8 o'clock. You're, in a, you're living in New York. Everyone was watching me. You're living in New York. You're in a curfew. You're in a, you're in a, you're in a war. You're locked in your house. I cannot go out. I don't know how Moshe got through the curfew to come for the shift tonight. He should be blessed. Right? I don't know how many times he put his life in danger. But he, we're under curfew. Right? We're under curfew. Listen, everybody. We're under curfew. You think you're free? You think it's great? You're under curfew. It's a war zone. It's Gaza. So 
rebel, so what should we do? So what should we do? And the answer is we should do exactly what they did on Purim. What did they do? They went to Davin and they said the following. You may have given up on us, but God, we love you. And even if you wrote us off, and Esther's a traitor, and Mordechai put us in this mess, it's not changing the way we look at you, Hashem. That was so huge. It was so huge. Hashem's like, I wrote him off, I took away the connection, the rabbi got them into the trouble, and instead of saying, okay, Goyim, listen, don't kill us, we're going to become, we're going to missionize, we're going to become Goyim. We're one of you. We'll work for you. We'll be your servants, whatever you want. We're done with God, we're done with Yiddishkeit, we're done with Judaism. Instead of saying that, they went and fasted for three days, they went and learned. They brought the kids. The kids fasted. The whole story. The teenagers of Israel were fasting. The mothers came with food. They said, no, little kids. We're fasting for three days. And Hashem never had that relationship with the Jews. Kibu v'kimlu. We accepted it. Two different words. Kibu, we got, it's two different words. Different meanings. We got up and we accepted the Simcha, God's Torah and God. And that's what we need to do now. As hard as it is. I want to tell you all a story that happened yesterday at this table. At this table. Sitting on the other side of my table because of social distancing was a young, 18-year-old, amazing Hasidish girl. And the reason she was in my house where she has a relative that loves her very much. Her father was very sick for the last 11 months with cancer. Her relationship with her father was like my relationship with my father. He was everything to her. Her father, her teacher, her mentor, her everything. I believe she's an only daughter. She is an only daughter. And he had cancer. And he's a superstar. Her father's a superstar. And she watched him suffer. And she davened. And her father went through all kinds of crazy chemo, whatever it is. And her father always had a muna that he would get better. And I said, that's not a muna. A muna is not that you're going to get better or the situation is going to get better. It's a very big mistake. People say, I have a muna Hashem. I'm going to daven. It's going to get better. Maybe it's not supposed to get better. Emunah means I believe that whatever happens is what's supposed to happen and it's for my good. Not I have Emunah so that I'm going to get better or I'm going to get my money back or any of that stuff. No, that's not Emunah. So what she said to me, I, I had Emunah that, that, that my father, my father could get better. I was like, that's not Emunah. Emunah means Hashem that if he gets better or he doesn't get better, you're the same Hashem. That's Emunah. If I make the money back or I don't make the money back that I lost, it's the same Hashem. And there's a reason behind everything. But this was a girl at a very high level and a very special girl. And her relative called me and said, you got to talk to her. She's broken. And her relationship with Hashem might be breaking. So you need to talk to her. And the minute I heard her relationship with her father, I said I could talk to her because I had the same relationship with my father. And I'm going to all tell you a little bit of a story. Maybe I've said it before, but I don't remember. But I'm going to tell you what I told her. 
So she said, like, how can Hashem be so mean? Her father was very, very young, very young. She's 18, very young man. And, and how could he take him away from me? If Hashem is a loving, good God, how can he take him away from me? I want to tell you all what I told her, and I think it's very, very important. I said, you love your father? Very much. Was he an amazing father? Amazing. I was his only daughter. This is and He gave me special love and special time. I'm like, I looked in the eye and I said, did you ever thank Hashem for that? Did you ever sit at the edge of your bed and say, thank you Hashem for giving me a father like this? I said, I deal with a lot of dysfunctional fathers and mothers. There's a lot of kids listening to tonight's share who's, who's not, did not get that attention from their parents. I said, so... You're 18 years old. Did you ever in 18 years sit at the edge of your bed and say, thank you, Hashem, that you gave me such a father? She said, no. I said, let me ask you a question. If tomorrow I brought you to the bank and I opened up the vault and I said, you won a prize that for the next hour in this vault is full of diamonds and money. The next hour you can collect as much money and diamonds as you like. And you go in there and you collect millions of dollars. And after an hour, I'm like, eh, hour up. The cops go in, they take you out. They lock it up. Would you turn around and yell at me? Rabbi! Why did you, why did you pull me out of the vault after an hour? You don't like me. You're so mean. You're evil. Or would you say, holy moly, an hour. Like I came out with $8 million. Rabbi, I love you. Thank you so much. For the rest of my life, I don't have to work. I can give tzedakah. Wow. I said, what would you do? I said, no way would you come out after an hour and say, I don't understand. You only gave me an hour. How did you take me out after an hour? You would never say that. So I'm like, why are you saying that to Hashem right now? He gave you 18 years with your father. He put you in a vault with a man that loved you and treated you like a, like a superstar. And for 18 years, you were in that vault. And after 18 years, Hashem said, whatever my cheshben is, I have a cheshben, I have to take this, I have to close the vault. I said, so how can you never thank Hashem that he gave you 18 years in that vault? It's the same Hashem. She opened her eyes. So I want to tell everyone something. So today, there's a, we lost a lot of people. And we lost a lot of tzaddikim. Um, I heard about a thousand. I called up someone I know in a hospital. I'm not going to say which hospital. It's not important. And I told her to find out, in that hospital, how many people died from this terrible virus. I said, you can look it up on a computer. I'm sure it's not secret information. She said, I can look it up. I want to tell you what she sent me today. Five hundred and eighty-five people died. Five hundred eighty-five people died in this one hospital. Okay? Um... And a thousand people 
went into the hospital and came out. So one-third of the people that went into the hospital died. That's a lot. One-third. 33% of people who went into it with the, with the uh, infection died. So we all have a reason to be very sad, right? I said, do me a favor. Same hospital. How many babies were born at the same time? 585 people died. How many were born? In March, 661. In April, 595. At this point, you can pretty figure out. That's a lot of kids, right? May, 580. So if you add that up, I didn't add it up, but it's uh, 580 plus 595 is uh, 1175 plus 661 is 17. About 1,800 kids were born. How come no one's talking about that? How come no one's saying to Hashem, Wow! In the same time of this terrible infection, this terrible virus that you took... 585 lives you put back into the world in the same hospital. 1,800 children. 1,800 lives. So really, in that amount of time, of course, I'm not telling anyone who lost someone that you should feel good. That's not what I'm, ta- that's what I'm trying to say over here. But let's, let's think about Hashem for a minute. That means 1,300 more lives came to the world 1,300 more lives came to the world in that hospital in the same month as 585. 1,300 more. Anybody say that? Anybody thank Hashem? That there are 1,300 more people in this world just in that hospital. So I don't know if anyone out there wants to give me the information and we lost 100,000 people in the United States. How many people in those three months were born? A lot more than 100,000. So, I was telling, I, didn't, I did this today. I was telling this girl, it's time. Yes, we're in pain, and we, I lost friends, and, and, and it doesn't make it better. But just be fear. You can't just complain about the bad stuff in your life without focusing on the good stuff in your life. Be fear. Of course it hurts. You could have a million dollars, and somebody steals a thousand dollars from you. It hurts. So, yes, you have 18 years with your father, and then Hashem takes them away. It hurts. And I'm not saying it shouldn't hurt. It should hurt. But at the same time, were you ever thankful for having such a father? Are you thankful for getting up in the morning? Or you're just complaining and clutching all day about what everything hurts and everything else? In other words, do you have a right to complain if you thank? I don't know if you have a right, but at least, at least it should be, it should be two-sided. And I spoke to her about, you know, losing someone that you cared about. I did lose someone that I cared about. And, and, and as much as I talk about Bitochen and Amuna, um, I'll tell you what happened. So, so I, was, I was very, very close to my father. And, and he was everything. My parents, everything, my whole life, from day one. He was always there for me. And, and I'm not trying to make anyone jealous, because if you don't have such a parent, you can always be such a parent. Because Hashem... He puts you in the, in the certain positions that you need to be in your life. So, if you don't have such a parent, you don't have such a father, you don't have such a mother, okay. Okay, that's the position you put in for your travel, for whatever you have to go through in life. But you can still be that parent. So, I, I was lucky enough to have such a parent. And, he got sick. 
And the, the doctor, I was with him, and every time I went to the doctor, I was with him, and the doctor told him when they found what they found that he had three months. You got three months. Prepare yourself for the other world. Nice doctor. Anyway, so he was he was about the morning. He was like, if I have, I have. If I don't, I don't. Thank you for giving me three months. Who can give someone three minutes? He guaranteed him three months. He was very happy. Um, and I was like, I'm not letting this happen. So at that point, this is 22 years ago. At that point, I um, I was teaching Crown Heights Yeshiva kids that were from for 20 years. I was the eighth grade Rebbe, did a lot of Kirov, they lived in my house, they came to my father's house. Um, he was amazing to all these kids, and I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not letting my father die. No way. So I right away, the next day, or maybe two days later after he was diagnosed, I went to Eretz Yisrael. I went to the biggest Mukubalim, my Mukubalim. They gave me stuff on parchment, water, of grass, put it on his belly. Da, da, da. I would do anything. Hashem was my witness. I went to the Kaisel. And I said, I'm going to say the whole Tehillim. And when I finished Tehillim, I put my head on the wall. And I said, here's the deal, God. I'm asking for a year. I'm not asking for a refuah. Because the Bnei Sashka, I learned Bnei Sashka in those days, is never ask for too much. Ask for a year. And then when there's 11 months, ask for another year. You have to know how to daven. Don't ask for a big miracle. Just, you know, people, people get diagnosed for three months and they, they make it for a year. So give me a year. I'm not asking for so much. I'll come back. I'll be by the Christ in 11 months. And I'll say, can I get another year? That was my plan. And then I said, I said, Hashem, here's the deal. I will give you all my Ganeiden for the last 20 years. Whatever I have from helping your children, Kirov, just give me a year. It's yours. Hashem, I'll live long. I'll, get, I'll work. I'll, I'll continue doing what I'm doing. 20 years of working with your kids. I'm trading it in for one year. I came home. I had no Shilohs on El Al. It was no Shiloh. He's going to have a crazy before. They're trying this chemo, that chemo. There's nothing to talk about. Because I didn't know what I thought Emuna means, that you believe that you're going to get better. It's not what Emuna means. Emuna means whatever happens. I believe that's it's what's supposed to happen. He didn't make it more than three months, maybe three and a half months. He was diagnosed in uh, October. And he died in the beginning of February. So November, December, January, three and a half, something like three and a half months, maybe a little. Well, I didn't get no year. Um, I sat Shiva. I talked about him. Like I didn't stop talking. And then after Shiva, Rabbi Wallerstein called the principal of Crown Heights Yeshiva. And I said, you need to find another Rebbe with a... I got it from Shiva on a Wednesday, and I called Rabbi Rabbi Goldstein on a Thursday, and I said, I quit. I said, Hashem, you did not come through for me. You did not come through for me. I worked for 20 years with your kids, and I asked you for a year? You didn't come through. I said, you know what? Why do I have to do extra work with kids? I'm going to be like my friends. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to dive three times. I'm not going off to Derek. I'm going to give tzedakah. I'm like everyone else. Why do I have to be busy with kit? Like, you didn't give me anything for it. Done. I told this to the girl. Done. Zechai Wallstein with betochen and shiurim and all this stuff. Baloney. It's good in concept. But I was out. That was Thursday.
Sunday, three days later, four days later, I'm sitting right here on my steps, and I'm saying to myself, my father's greatest hanah in his life was that I did Kirov. He loved it. He loved these kids. He just loved it. He used to come to Kranach. He loved it. And I'm like, Zechariah so Wallace, what are you doing? You're not punishing Hashem. He doesn't need you. He can find another guy to be a rabbi. You're punishing your father. Everything he put into you, all his belief and his love and his care was to make you who you are. And you're going to walk away from doing care, from helping kids? What are you doing? I thought about it. And I was like, that's the something was in my head. What am I doing? So, on those steps, I said, I'm not walking away. I'm going to do more. L'zeich nishmas, my father. And that's when I opened Ornava. In the last 22 years, it was all L'zeich nishmas, my father. And I thank all the time when I have parents here in my house that are dysfunctional. I thought everyone had parents like I had. My mother should be gesund. Loving, caring, amazing parents. I didn't know there were parents that were dysfunctional or kids that were dysfunctional. So, do parents thank Hashem for all the good things their kids do or they only complain when the kids are not doing well? Do kids thank Hashem for all the good things their parents? That, did you give me such parents? Because it's not something I choose. It's not something that I had Bechira. It's not something that, it's something you gave me, Hashem. So, am I thankful that, that I was born a Jew? And that I have 613 mitzvahs? And then I'm gonna have a Mashiach? And then I'm gonna see the Shekhinah? That I have 613 ways of serving God? Girl called me, I was involved with a girl today, the problem of Tznius. And she's like, I don't like Tznius. I don't want to do Tznius. Or good girl, whatever. I don't want to do Tznius anymore. I'm like, why not? I don't know. I just, I just, so she's, she's rebelling. She's rebelling. I said, you have to get dressed anyway. Nobody can walk around without any clothing. So, so the Torah tells you, to wear clothing. I don't look beautiful in, in I don't look beautiful in Sneas clothing, she tells me. I'm like, when does a girl look her most beautiful? And what does a girl look her most beautiful in her whole life? From the day she's born to the day she dies. What is the most important day to look beautiful? And she looks the most beautiful that day. Her wedding day. Her wedding day. Is she covered on her wedding day? She's wearing a gown from head to toe that's six feet wide. So why don't you understand that? That, that, that a wedding day when you're in your gown and you're a princess and, and you're getting dressed to look the most beautiful for the party, for the chassan, you're not wearing pants. You're not wearing pants. Even non-Jewish people, they don't wear pants. They wear a wedding gown. So what are you saying? So Kushbach was saying to you, with me every day is a wedding. You look beautiful. 
because you yourself want a wedding gown and what it costs to get a wedding gown and how many wedding gowns you have to try on. So what are you so busy about getting into pants? You wouldn't wear that on your wedding even if you're not Jewish. It's this unappreciation. Hashem made you a Jew. It's not a choice. If He wanted you to be not a Jew, you wouldn't be a Jew. If He wanted you to be Islam, you'd be Islam. You'd be born into an Islam family in the Middle East. And if He wanted you to be a Christian, you'd be born in North Dakota. But that's not your trip here. That's not your trip. Your trip is as a Jew. And that's very special. And, and, and every, every human being in this world has a purpose and a trip and has to get dressed. If you're going to the North Pole, you will look ridiculous and you will freeze to death if you're dressed in shorts. But if you're going to Florida, I'm not talking about Jewish people, then you're going to get dressed in more comfortable clothing. So if Hashem brings you down as a Jewish girl, then you need to get dressed a certain way. If He brings you down as a Hasidic girl, then you need to get dressed as a certain way. Because your trip, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to get out of Hasidus, or you're trying to get out of Judaism, whatever it is, but you don't understand that's your trip here. Because if He didn't want you to wear, if He wanted you to wear pants, and He wanted you to be with boys, and he wanted you to do all and eat chazer, then Hashem would have made you a guy. It's not hard for Hashem to make you a guy. It just means that you're born from a non-Jewish woman. It's very easy for God to do that. It's not a problem. So you have to look at who your family is, what your customs are, and if you're if you're not if you're Hasidish, then he wanted you to be and that's your that's your life. That's what you're supposed to be. What are you jumping? You're a fish and you're jumping out of the water because you want to be a, 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 a bird? You can't be a bird. You're going to die. I'll end with this story. I, I didn't even get to my, my share tonight, but you know what? Azoya is about share. And I want to tell you that I am learning tonight for a very, very, very special person that I knew. And not only a special person, but a whole special family. Uh, let me get his Hebrew name. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. A lot of stuff going on today. Oh, here we go. So, his name was Alex Klein. And Alex Klein, I knew, because I was in Yeshiva, and he owned the Imperial Manor across the street. He, he was very involved in food and stuff. He was, he, was, he, was, he was amazing. He was an amazing man. And he he has a family that's absolutely amazing. And I promised that I would learn... Every Wednesday night, Le'ili Nishmas. So I just want to say, I want to say his name. Hold on. Okay. His name is Avraham Shmuel. We spoke about, when you have the name Kale, it's a very, Ben Ayelab. Very holy. And his Nishama should have an Aliyah. And he should go in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, And he should tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we love him no matter what happens. And that we need a real Yeshua. We all need a, a, a real Yeshua. So I, I, I wasn't going to go there tonight, but, but I'm, I am going to go. I'm going to tell you a story. Because I guess whatever happens before my share, there's a reason for it. So whoever's listening, stop, stop fighting it, stop fighting it. You're, you're, you, you, you were born into a certain family, a certain challenges, and that's where you are. And if you step out of that, you're gonna have to come back here again. Who wants to come back here again? Who knows what this world's gonna be like when you come back here again? So, so don't fight it. Be who you are. I wasn't born Chassidus. I was born the way I am. That's my family. That's what I'm supposed to do. This is the way I was born. Right? Now sometimes, sometimes Hashem, you're born not religious, and, and your, your whole thing is to become religious, to grow. But there's, there's, you're never born to go down. 
You're never born to go down. You're born to grow. If, if, I, if I don't grow, what am I doing? If I just etz him, if I just stay where I am, what am I doing here? You didn't, I didn't have to come to the world just to be who I am. I have to come to the world to grow. And a person had, don't wait, because you may never, you may never change. But I once heard an amazing story, and I, I want to share this story with you. And, and this is what I told this girl today, and as far as the other girl is concerned, I said that the best thing that you can do for your father, really your father did not need you, my father never needed me um, for anything, but now he needs me, because he can't do mitzvahs. So when I make a bracha, I'm like, Right? Tonight, cheer, my father-in-law's yard side is next week. It was an amazing, amazing father-in-law. And you know what? He loved me like a son. My mother-in-law loves me like a son. And, and, and you, you can't take that for granted. So did I ever thank Hashem for my father-in-law? Because some father-in-laws don't get along with their son-in-laws. He loved me like a son. More, maybe. So, Yishai ben Yaakov. Lili Nishmas, Yishai ben Yaakov, next week. He was an amazing man. Everyone that sat around him, he made happy. He's a Neuridika man. I'm thanking Hashem tonight. You gave me such a father-in-law. It's not a given. Ah, you took him away? You took him away many years ago, 18 years ago? You took him away, but thank you for letting me be in the vault as long as I was. Thank you, Hashem, for my father-in-law. Thank you, Hashem, for my father. So I told this girl, right now, until now I couldn't do anything for him. Now I could do. I could learn, I could make brachas. He didn't need me till now. The biggest kibbutz of him is when they're not here. And by the way, you should know that I went to my Rebbe, Rabbi Gamliel, to tell you something interesting he said to me. I said, how come Hashem didn't take my deal? 20 years Ganeiden for one year. I said, Rebbe, I, I, I thought it was a good deal. He said, Hashem's not a ripoff. He's not one of these guys who lends money at 18%. He doesn't lend money at any ribbers. He said, Hashem knows... Once, he knows you're in pain. And he knows that one second of Ganeiden is worth more than your father's year because that was, that's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to happen. And that it wasn't a fair deal. God's like, I'm not ripping this kid off. I'm not taking 20 of the Ganeiden from him. He says, because Hashem loves you. He didn't take the deal. Not because he doesn't like you. You walked away and said, how dare you, Hashem, take this, not take my deal. You don't love me. You don't care about me. I'm giving it up. He said, Stupidity and say, Narishki said, it's Narish, you're wrong. It's just the opposite. I said, no, I do love you. I would never take 20, 20 years of Ganeiden. I wouldn't take one second of Ganeiden for a year of your father's life. It's not worth it. Not worth it. So this girl asked me, so if Hashem came to you and said, I'll give your father another year, you wouldn't? I said, when Hashem shows me what Ganeiden looks like and explains to me what I'm giving up, probably not. And my father would say, I don't want you, Ganeiden. You go learn. You do what you're supposed to do. So anyway, I want to end off with, because so many people are not happy with what they have. And and again, Amunim is, is, is not believing that things are going to be good. Amunim is believing that whatever happens is good. Much different way of thinking. Anyway, listen to this story. I love this story. I imagine this story. So there's a bunch of fish at the bottom. Well, you never heard this one. There's a bunch of fish at the bottom of the sea. They're all young teenage fish. They're, they're ready to go. And 
there's one old fish at the bottom of the sea. And out the kachka, and out the, an old fish. And he hears that the kids, the young fishies, talking to each other. There's no, there's no plural for fishies, it's fish. They hear the young fish talking, and they're saying, listen, it is so boring at the bottom of the sea. Let's go see what the world looks like. He says, guys, listen to me. Do you ever wonder why there's no other old fish but me? Like, where are they? He says, they're all dead. Do you know why they're dead? Because when I was a little fish, a young fish, we all got together as a chevra and said, this is boring at the bottom of the sea. Let's go see what's going on in the other world. And I said, if we're supposed to be in the other world, we would be. We're fish. This is where we're supposed to be. He says, I didn't go. They went. And none of them came back. Listen to me. They went, and none of them came back. I didn't go. I'm the only one down here. Young fish, don't go. So the head of the the head of the chevra said, "Old man, boring man. This is a different generation. We got smartphones, man. You didn't even have a phone. We're going." So they go, I, I love this story. They go right below the surface. And they're like, some of the fish are like, maybe he was right. Maybe we, maybe we belong in the water and we should stay here. And the head guy says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to jump. You ever see fish jump? Why do you think they jump? They want to see what's going on. I want to see what's going on in the world. So we're going to jump. Let's see. We'll go back into the water, but we'll jump and we'll, let's see what's going on. Okay. Not everybody wanted to jump. This guy said, we'll jump with a few guys and we're, we're going to come back and report. So they're all under the surface and the head leader, the chevraman, and a couple of other fish, they jump. They jump out of the water and there's a fishing boat. That's, that's where they are. The fishing boat's right there. There's a fishing boat. And they see, when they jump up, that in the fishing boat, there's a net. And in the net are like hundreds of fish that they had caught before. And the fish in the net are jumping. Jumping, ah, jumping up, jumping up. They never saw fish jump. Like, oh my God, what are they on? They must be smoking some good stuff. Look at those fish. And then, like, as they jumped the second time to see what's going on, these fish were jumping a little in the beginning. Now, whee, they're jumping five feet in the air. And they go back into the water and they're like, guys, we knew that the other world is fun, but this is a party house. They said, what'd you see? We saw hundreds of fish jumping. Not jumping a little. Five feet. Man, they must be partying. Okay. Let's do it. They all come to the surface. The net comes down and gets them all. And they're like, and now, all the fish are like, and now comes the party. They saw that, right? And the, the net goes into the, into the boat and they can't breathe. Because there's no water. And they're like, ah! When they try to breathe, they start to jump. And the last breath before they die is the biggest breath. And they're all dead. And nobody comes back. And the old man says, I told them, but they didn't listen. 
we, and so many of us, who are born in the water, born a Jew, born a Tznua, born a Chesisha family, born a religious family, wherever you're born in. Right? We're not happy. We're these fish. We're like, I gotta got get a smartphone. Uh, I gotta watch movies. I don't want to be showing any gear. Let's drink. Let's have a kiddish club. Let's party. Let's go to Vegas. Right? We're not made to go to Vegas and party and have kiddish clubs and, and dress not sneers and not be showing gear and look at movies that we shouldn't be. We're not made for that. We're fish. We have an ashama. And that's why we compare to fish all the time in the water. We're not made for that. But the Yitzhahara, who's that fish, the leader, says, but look, look how happy they are. Look how they're partying. Look how they're dressing in pants. Look how they're going to parties. Look at the guys and girls together. Look at them drinking. Come on, they don't got to go to shul. So he sells you this. And you go out and you're like, wow, everybody's hopping. Everybody's bopping. Everybody's dying. The neshamas are dying. You're being fooled like the fish. You're in the net. Funny, the net. I used the net. I didn't do that on purpose. You're in the internet. You're in the net. And it's so, wow. And it's wow. And guess what happens? You end up becoming addicted. You end up becoming depressed. You end up becoming sick. It's the biggest addiction today. Technology addiction. But it looks like it's so much fun. You're not happy. I've never seen a depressed person happy, get happy out of their environment. They don't get happy. They try. And it's very sad because when you try all this stuff and you still don't get happy, then you, then you want to commit suicide because you thought that we're going to wear pants and I'm going to be happy. Then all of a sudden you're not happy. There's something wrong with me. Happiness comes from within you. There's nothing you could put on your body or take into your body that's going to make you happy. Happy has to come from within. A girl came to my office a few summers ago. Very angry girl. And I don't know how her parents got her to come talk to me. Whatever. She said, I'll talk to him, but I'm not, I'm not changing. She came into my office, a true story. In the middle of the summer, it was July, I'm in Borough Park. It's 95 degrees. She walks into my office, whoever's listening, she is wearing a yellow sweater with a knit, like, yellow hat and, like, red leather pants and boots, like... She must have been schwitzing like, I don't know what. Dressed for the winter. And she sits down in front of me, all huffy. And she's like, what are you looking at, rabbi? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not looking at anything. Like, yeah. So I, I get dressed in either dark gray or dark blue and a white shirt. And I was wearing a tie. And she says, that's right, I'm different. I'm different. All you religious Jews... You're not different. You're like one of a kind. Black suit, black suit, white shirt, white shirt, a beard. That time I didn't have a beard, but whatever. You're all the same. And all the CS girls in their uniforms. Everyone has to wear the same uniforms. And all the girls, they have to wear those tights. And you have no individuality, she told me. You people, you people. Jewish kid from a from family. You people have no individuality. You stereotypes, you cookie cutters. That's what she told me. Me, Rabbi, as you can see, I'm different. She got me right. She's different. I'm like, no, you're not. 
What do you mean, no, I'm not? I'm like, you're the same. Everyone who's listening, listen carefully. You're the same as all people that are different. Everyone who doesn't want to look like me just is different. So they're all the same because they're all different. A million people that are different are all the same different. A million people that are the same, well, you're the same as me. So you are the same as all the people that are rebelling, that get dressed like this, that want to look different, that want to have purple hair and green hair and whatever, and tattoos, whatever they want. You want to do that because you want to be different. So, but your whole group of people that are different are all the same. She's like, can you say that again? I'm like, if you have a hundred people that are different, they're all the same, they're different. And you have a hundred people that are the same, they're all the same. So you're the same as I am. You just with people who wear crazy colors. And I'm with people who wear white and white and black. But you're the same as everyone else. It's not gonna make you happy. Not gonna make you happy. You gotta go into yourself and understand that wherever Hashem brought you, that's the bottom line. And from there you have to grow. And that's what will make you happy. Happiness, if I'm not going to be for me, it's, just, it's in this week's parak. If I'm not going to be for me, mealy, what's going to help me? Drugs, not going to help me. Guys, dressing different, movies, gambling, all the addictions, you speak to any addict, they're not happy. They're sick. They're depressed, they're anxious. If I'm not for myself, if I don't fix who I am, and I'm not happy with myself, and if I just stay the same, and I don't grow, I'm not going to be happy. Trees grow. They grow physically. Everything Hashem brought into this world, He brought into this world to grow. Things grow differently. Humans, we only grow to a certain point physically. And at that point that we stop growing physically is really where we take off spiritually. A human being is supposed to continue growing. At 20, you're not growing anymore. So what are you doing here? You're 5 for 10? You can stay 5 for 10. So that's it. Everyone should die when they stop growing. Take a couple of hormones, grow a little bit more, and that's it. Everyone should die at 20 or at 18 or at 16 whenever they stop growing. Of course not. That's physical growth. That's not so important. But from 18, 16, 18, to 120... It's spiritual growth. A tree doesn't have that. An animal doesn't have that. Only a human being has that. So, let's do what they did on Purim. And don't worry. Because at the end of the day, this is supposed to happen. Exactly what's happening. And our way out of this is to get close to God. And get close to our Baruch And to thank Him that we got up this morning. And to pray that He'll let us get up tomorrow morning. Because life is potential. You should have a tzlacha and racha, and I should have the guts to move to Israel and bring you all with me. A tzlacha, good night. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.